of the word baliw, which means crazy in Filipino. How about the word maitoyo, as in silver swan, the soy sauce, maitoyo. How about maluwag ang tornillo, which means loose screw. Or did you ever get the feeling that while in therapy, if you've ever accessed it, you want to keep it a secret because of the fear that you would be the crazy one. Spooky, right? In this episode, we would learn how to change our language and equally important, our minds to what it truly means to be healthy. Remember, healthy mind means healthy body and vice versa. Body equals healthy mind. Let's talk about why it's crucial that we pivot our minds today, not tomorrow, regarding our kalusugan, which is health, body, and mind. Are Filipinos truly bilingual? We use the same language at home, but speak in love languages foreign to each other, together but separated. Kamusta? I'm Rowan, licensed psychotherapist mom, immigrant twice, first-generation Pinay raising my mixed Filipino-American children in America. I found that after visiting 500 Filipino homes, I continue to be a student of the culture. In this podcast, we would be seatmates in this beautiful cultural classroom. And by the way, did I tell you I need my kaping barako straight from Batangas before each class? If you're interested in learning the deep intricacies of the Filipino culture, especially as it merged with American culture, talks about trauma-informed care and deepening your Filipino relationships across generations, which includes my fave topic, Pinoy Love Languages, you're in the right place. Hello everyone, kamusta? This is Rowan. Welcome to the Pinoy Love Language Podcast. Thank you in advance for taking a listen. Now, I'm recording this in May and May is one of my fave months because first of all, it's my baby boy's birthday and it's also Mental Health Awareness Month aside from it's the Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month. I hope I got that right. <laughs> so welcome. Thanks for being here. And if you're listening to this after May or before May, it's still very relevant because we shouldn't be waiting for May to talk about mental health. It's a year-round agenda, if you will. So I hope you have that on your calendar. If you're using a, a bullet journal, whatever you're using, it's part of your priority to take care of your mental health. I wanted to begin by sharing a story when I was five years old, I remember wearing a sky blue uniform and I was waiting for someone to take me to school. Now, I was only five. I was in kindergarten, I believe. And so with my bowen bag, I waited and we have a garage that's ascending. So if you're driving and you're on top of the garage, it goes down. And I was at the end of the driveway. So you can imagine, I was waiting there patiently, pawis, and what happened was someone that worked for my father was maybe testing out the car, I'm not sure, but he backed up, not seeing me, and suddenly all I could remember was that I was under the tires. The tires actually went between my small five-year-old 
body and then I heard some scream maybe it's one of um, you know the our helpers or my mom I remember my mom you know nurturing me have me stay in the room I didn't have to go to school she rubbed me with the you know like the most comforting ointment ever made in the world Vicks and indeed it made me feel good also what I remember that really makes me feel good as a child is my mom rubbing my forehead I wonder if you have that same experience or a body part that your mom regularly rubs to help you feel comforted and something that makes you really feel soothed so that was what happened my parents actually didn't take me to the hospital i never got checked for that incident and it was sort of like major thinking about it looking back but anyway stories circulated right everywhere we go with families for maybe the next two years is that the story is like did you know Rowan, she got uh, nasagasaan, you know, the she was run over by a car. But, you know, she didn't even cry. She was so tough. She was so brave. And so just hearing that story over and over and over again. And in a way, it helped me to feel tough because I was getting positive reinforcement. It's almost like if you tell a child, wow, you look so beautiful. You're wearing that pink dress guess what that child would constantly want to search for that for that dress to get that same reinforcement so maybe i was also doing that i wanted to be tough and later on that seemingly had been my label i don't cry easily i was tough like the boys in our neighborhood my kalaro my playmates and in fact i would hang out more with boys i was kind of like a a tomboy and so I remember I was so tough that one day I was helping my grandma it was almost Christmas and so she was creating these Christmas bags from Christmas gift wrappers and so we would staple it and I remember she had a huge almost looking like an, an industrial stapler so I was the the stapler and one time when she was in the kitchen, I accidentally stapled my finger and it bled so much. But I didn't want my grandma to be worried or to have her see me cry. So I ran as fast as I could in the bathroom so I can coil it with toilet paper. But there was some dripping of blood and so my grandma, my Lola, was like, oh, ano nangyari? what happened? And I was like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. It's okay. Even though it was really painful. In fact, even now, my finger has a little bit of a marking, if you will, from that incident. And I'm sharing that because I'm curious because I was so used to getting reinforcement, right? That I was tough, I didn't cry. And aside from that, I'm a pretty, I think, regulated child, meaning easygoing. And so maybe that also played a factor. So you're probably wondering, what does this have to do with mental health? When it comes to the definition of what strong means... I got that from that experience, basically. So that strong means sucking it up 
or not crying or just getting over with things easily the reinforcement i got from my parents and adults around me is pretty unconscious it's not intentional that they're thinking oh you know what i i would teach my kid how to be tough or not to take care of the way she's feeling inside to not look into her own feelings by reinforcing some other feelings or behaviors but that's what usually happens with the parent and the child dyad because the child wants to completely be loved by the parent and to please the parent it's very sensitive to the inflection in the parent's voice, the look in their face, just a smirk, a child could actually read that. And so that could have been the end of my story thinking like, wow, that's it. That's the reason why I'm not taking care of my mental health. Or I think that going to see a shrink, a therapist or some other healer would mean that I am actually weak so we could stick with that narrative and i could stop there here's what's important is to have a holistic way of viewing the totality of your story so if i shared you only that story uh, you probably think wow you know her her mom is uh pretty tough or her mom didn't really pay attention to her emotions one of the other story about my mother is, as I could remember it, even though I have this feeling of like being tough a certain way, I remember that my in my first heartbreak, I was feeling safe enough to be consoled by my mother. And in fact, I remember being on her lap. My head was on her lap. And it was so comforting there's nothing like being seen and felt by your own mother and so there is a story but there are other stories hinge on that story it gives us alternate stories to to anchor from and so that's what i want to share sometimes we have this language like that's my story and i'm sticking with it what i want you to do really is to be curious of other nuggets of stories that you can think of around your own family members your mother your father it's like you're collecting maybe pebbles if you will or shells and putting the good stuff in one pocket and on the other side the not so good ones that you can recall and so that creates a holistic story a holistic collection before we proceed let's just go on a quick break and i'll talk more about a couple of different reasons why we don't access mental health want to retell your story check out story therapy my kind of therapy that is tailored to your needs rather than a program you need to fit yourself in story therapy combines the neuroscience of rewiring your brain to upgrade your story together with playful tools 
you can use to set yourself free to the best story of your life. For more information, check out the show notes. Welcome back. So we talked about language and how language provide us meanings, right? And what I mean about language is both spoken and unspoken. But let's talk about spoken first. How when we uh, label our children, the praises that we give them, the reinforcement, it's a language that they are really clinging on. And to be very aware of the message we're sending our children. As far as mental health, you know, the opposite of that is like, oh, if I seek out someone if i cry if i say aray ouch that means i'm weak and because we have this confirmation bias right we're looking for things so that we can solidify our own theories about ourselves so if we think we are strong and in our minds therapy is weak then we would stray away from it because it does not confirm our story of ourself so that's one another one that i'll talk about is where there is the concept of kappa which seeing yourself in the other and the other in you and so there is this whole teaching around being considerate and if you imagine a group of children in a circle if you leave the circle that means you're distorting the shape or that means you're leaving the others behind and that's a burden right and so no one wants to be a burden especially in a collective society there's a lot of negative reinforcement for instance i might have shared this in our other episode that really it's a huge difference in the way con- children are conditioned from the very get-go from the family unit in a Filipino household in the motherland versus in America. But I know I've talked about that or we'll be talking more about it. But for now, the the Filipino child in the motherland is really honed in the skill of pakikisama togetherness because when the child enters school being part of the circle is very important being part of a barcada a club is very very important and growing up for in the philippines we always have group activities like classroom declaration contest dance contest is always done in groups and when there's a solo performer let's say a singing contest and there's a a representative per classroom that person is representing the classroom and if your classroom wins or that person wins as the champion the the best you know bearded queen the one that could sing the highest note the award is actually named after the classroom the class rather than the individual and so there is this concept of you want to stay within your circle and if you are straying away sharing stuff maybe to a person that does not belong in that circle such as when you access mental health it feels not only it's a burden but also you are being disloyal to that circle 
that unit, whether it's a barcada, whether it's a family. Now, there's a lot of other reasons why Filipinos don't access care. There's HIA, there's also religion. But in our next series of episodes, the next episodes after this one, I will talk about the causality of disease in the Philippines. Why, how Filipinos explain disease. One would be mana or a trait passed on. Uh, genetically or the concept of lihe i don't know if you've heard of that but in the philippines a pregnant woman is very careful and not putting her attention her focus on let's say liking so much of uh, a fish because her child might look like a fish so i know that sounds weird but that's one of the causality of disease in the motherland. So I hope you take a listen to the succeeding episodes to learn more. Now, simply just to go back, uh, talking about mental health, how it's very important that we pivot now. Also, if you're a community helper, a healer, if you're coming from a place of like, I don't know why Filipinos don't access care, it would be really uh, a challenge to empathize because that means you probably need to get a little bit more information on why they don't. I think once you get to a place where you could say to yourself, oh, I see why they don't access care, that's when you really become an empathetic and an effective community helper because rather than using your own lens to convince the other this is the right way you understand that their path is different from yours and even though you're filipino the person you're convincing is filipino there might also be a difference in culture there so want to just uh, share that also this, if, if you're in school and you're not taking care of your own stuff, uh, I remember in school, if I don't take care of my math worksheets, I have to go home and make it my homework. So when we don't take care of our stuff, guess what? Who suffers, right? Who would have to take care of our homework? The next generation. So I see this very, very often in my practice where women, men, their parents stuff becomes their own stuff now to take care of so please do your seat work so the next generation won't have to do the homework to end i want to thank you salamat po for letting me hang out with you there is a corresponding blog post it's called nine filipino misconceptions about therapy it will be in the show notes also if you're enjoying this podcast please help grow this podcast so others could take a listen if you're using your phone scroll down and you can write the review please leave a five star stellar review if you're liking this content for now maraming salamat at sa ulitin bye